Welcome, everyone, to the Food, Farms, and Chefs radio show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips too. So let's get the show started. Welcome to our listeners around the world via the podcast. Our listeners on our FM station in New York and our listeners on our two Philadelphia radio stations. It's Tuesday evening drive time for you. We have an outstanding show today. So let's get this great show started. It is such a great honor to welcome our first guest to this week's Food Farms and Chefs. Just, you know, an amazing entrepreneur and one of the most philanthropic human beings you'll ever meet. Jason Green of Jay's Joint in Langhorn, Pennsylvania, one of the best cheek steaks you'll ever have. Jay, welcome to the show. Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you, guys. Some people would debate my food not as cheesesteak, so that's part of what we could talk about. <laughs> I am sorry. I, well, I... <laughs> I, I disagree. I, you know, you have a lot of different things on your menu, but you know, your food is certainly a cheesesteak. And I guess, you know, the same people would say that that place in Camden, you know, Donkeys is not one either. But Correct. it's not the roll that makes a cheesesteak; it's the entire product, and you certainly make a great one in that. So, before we get into that big debate, Jay, I'll tell you, tell our listeners a little bit about you. I know that you've had. Jay's joint since like 2005, about 17 years you've been in the cheesesteak racket, um, doing an amazing job. But one of the things that really catches me about you is the amount of community things you do quietly. During the middle of COVID, where people weren't even going out, you started delivery to people that were stuck in with COVID and things like that. Back in 2018, you came up with an idea to help out food banks using the Carson Wentz idea. And you came up with your pretzel roll idea and calling it a Wenzel, where proceeds were going to the food bank. And I know on a weekly basis, you're heading to the area of food banks, dropping off stuff in the weekend when a lot of people would be thrown in their freezers. You're taking that stuff over for the food bank. And then in addition, you do a whole bunch of community nights and stuff like that. You know, why is this so important to you? What you know, so many businesses today are tight for dollars, and you keep going out of your way to give. I don't make money. <laughs> um, I, I, honestly, my story is kind of crazy. Seventeen years ago, I actually got fired from a job, and I gave them seven days a week, killing myself for nothing. Is how I looked at it. And when I went into business for myself originally as a franchise. I wanted to obviously still kill myself working seven days a week, but I also wanted to use my business to better my community so one day I could eventually, unfortunately, I hate to say this word, run for office and say, look, I care about my community. This is what I've done with my business. I don't want campaign money. Support your local food banks Blah, 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 blah. I don't want to really go into the details of that because that's actually something I'm going to announce in a couple weeks. But um, long story short, when I was a franchise, I gave them 8.5% of my sales, and it made me struggle. And when I got out of my franchise, I told myself, look, in a year from now, if you're still in business, 
you're going to start doing something good with this money. And fast forward, a year later, I was still going. 2013, we started our monthly, I'm sorry, 2014, we started our monthly food bank donations. And we've done over 80,000 pounds of fresh fruits, vegetables, and meats since. And anytime I can give or use my business to help, it works out. And I just, as long as I can pay my bills, I'm good. That's how I look at it, I guess. <laughs> Stupid, as some others would say, including my father. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I think karma is an important thing and doing the right thing. And obviously, you know, I've met you. You're a great guy. You know, you know, really, really had a, a some great time with you. So I, I get where you're coming from with that, and I and I understand that. So you alluded to something in the beginning where people would not call your your cheesesteak a cheesesteak. Um, tell us, tell our listeners why that would be. Well, we do actually serve a traditional cheesesteak, but that's not really what makes us special. Uh, our traditional cheesesteak is the same, almost exact cheesesteak as you could find at Steak and Hoagie Factory, which is where I started off as a franchise. Um, I just learned how to manipulate their role and make it extra special. I'm sorry, I'm watching her eat it right now. <laughs> it, it, and what makes it extra special is uh, with the help of uh, the Pretzel Factory guys in Langhorn, um, they showed me how to manipulate the roll and make it a pretzel itself. And so basically we serve a baguette-style soft pretzel roll cheesesteak. And uh, what I brought in today for you guys, obviously you're not here, in, unfortunately, in the studio with us. You're missing out is the beer dip version, which you've sampled previously. I'm, I know that, which is what, to me, is our best sandwich on the menu and the special that I'm running all month long. Okay, you just broke my heart uh, <laughs> terribly, but it is what it is. And, and, you know, yes, yes, there is some serious food porn going on there in the studio. Um, I, I get that. You know, your beer dip sandwiches, tell us a little bit. I, it's phenomenal. And, and tell our listeners what your beer dip sandwiches are. So it is a uh, stout beer mixed with cream cheese spread on the inside of the pretzel roll with chopped ribeye. I should say, I shouldn't say that anymore because I don't know if it's definitely going to still be ribeye. I'm kind of trying to keep costs in today's inflation craziness. So I might switch back to a lesser quality meat because the meat, unfortunately, in our sandwich, unlike... My good friend Curly uh, isn't the key factor in our sandwich tasting good. Um, it's the combination of all the flavors together. So, which what I should get back to is it's chopped ribeye with then deep fried onions on top and uh, all put together for a delicious, tasty sandwich. It is, for our listeners, one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. Um, when we were out doing, you know, cheesesteak evaluations and things like that, you know, we were doing strictly, you know, American, you know, without it. And, and that's where I always lose. That. But, but when you and but when you get that specialty sandwich, it takes you from wherever to right to the top five sandwiches. You know, it's kind of like how I feel about the train wreck in, in Reading Terminal Market. You know, that sandwich, your beer dip cheesesteak, the combination of the fried onions and the stout beer and the cream cheese in there and, and 
to think cream cheese on a cheesesteak, if you think anything less of that, you're foolish. It, it's Honestly, amazing. I think this is the most Philadelphia cheesesteak there is in the world. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I don't I mean, th- come I, on, we're on a soft pretzel roll. How does it get any better? Yeah. You know, I mean, if yeah. I still I, used Philadelphia cream cheese, it it would really truly be an all time, you know, Philly fan favorite. Philly fan favorite sandwich. <laughs> but let's not tell anybody Philadelphia cream cheese is really a New York thing. But that's okay. Oh, really? Um, oh, yes, it is. But that's okay. You know what? Maybe we're going to run you for mayor of New York. We'll get you out of Langhorn. Going to get you. You know what? You, we'll get you a Philly address. None of the none of the other mayors really live in Philly anyway. So we're going to run you for mayor. You you get right up there. Ed Rendell would be the first vote. He would campaign for you in a heartbeat. You just give him a cheesesteak. You got his support. You know, Ed would be right there. So you also have the food truck going on. Tell us. Uh, you know. What what's available with the true food truck? Are you just strictly doing events with that? Or are you doing, you know, putting it out at locations on uh, occasion? We're, do, we're, we're looking for people actually to let us uh, pop up and do lunch, uh, do lunches there. Um, mm-hmm. I, this year, my wife left her job, uh, like many others, overworked and underpaid, and uh, we took the leap. So, me and her, the food truck team, and I have a a great leader and gang at the store where I've been able to step away from the store's day-to-days for about two years now. And uh, so I'm all in on the truck. And uh, so, yeah, we're we're looking to do pop-up lunches all around the area. And uh, we're looking for breweries now to step outside of our local Bucks norm and head into Montgomery and Chester County and introduce people to our food that hopefully bring them back to the joint over in Parkland. Fabulous. Fabulous. You know, one of the other things that I really admire from you is your dedication to delivering a product that's on your menu. You have a gluten-free roll, and I know that through supply chain and difficult things like that, your gluten-free roll was not easily available. And you were making trips towards New York to make sure that you got that for your for the listeners and for all the people who love your product and one of the gluten-free rolls. And it's become a quite popular item with you. Honestly, Tell us, you know, uh, sorry. Yeah. No, gluten free has been a huge part of my business over the years. It's definitely grown. I always kid now that we need a second main line, just as big as for the gluten free, because that's how big gluten free has gotten over the years. Um, the gluten free customer base has been my best form of advertising, I think, in the world. And uh, they, it, yeah, our gluten free regular roll. I actually drive to Vermont uh, about once a quarter to uh, pick up the rolls. Um, based off of supply chain, cost, and everything, I factor it's worth it for me to take the 14-hour round-trip day just to stick a bunch of rolls in a freezer and uh, make it happen. But uh, the, the actually what you're talking about with the run in New York for the rolls, uh, the gluten-free pretzel roll that we offer— um, the product that I use to make that, I've been having mold issues for the last 18 months. And actually, tomorrow, I'm going to be introducing a new version of that sandwich with a different product that's a little different. But it'll, it, it, honestly, the taste is still there, and that's what matters to me is that the taste is still there, and the, and the whole sandwich itself holds up in the heat lamp and all that stuff. Well, 
that says a lot about your, you know, dedication to, you know, the product and to integrity among your, you know, your products and, and just your dedication to your guests. So I, I give you a, a, a big shout out, a big kudos to that, you know, across the board. Tell us what you think the secret of a great cheesesteak is. The onions. Honestly, like my favorite. Not the answer that I was expecting, but yes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, my role, I mean, if you want me to be selfish, I'll tell you the role all day long because I think that like, but yeah, I've always said that for years and I think the pretzel roll just takes it to the next level. But honestly, um, my favorite sandwich shop, which I saw you posted something the other day about don't clickbait on this, about the the name and uh, that's closing their primary location. They, that, that that place is my favorite cheesesteak shop in the city for one reason, one reason only, and it's the onions. Hmm. I don't think their roll is the yeah, best so. roll. I don't think their steak's the best steak. I think their onions are what makes their sandwich. The combination of it all together and the onions on top, oh, with some ketchup, out of this world. You know. For our listeners who uh, are not aware, he's referring to uh, what was Joe's in Northeast Philadelphia, but really known to us, people who've been around for a long time, is Chinks, which was uh, forced to close for the silliest of reasons years ago because the original owner of uh, Chinks, um, his nickname, his nickname for no negative reason was Chinks, was Chink, and that's what he named his restaurant, but people took offense to the name and they made him change it, and it was a whole big uh, PR issue that really cost him a great deal of business. So I, I appreciate you giving him the shout out because the man deserves respect that he did a great job. And, you know, to, you know, the, an owner who worked there under the original owners that picked it up. And it's just a sad story. So oh, 100%. It's just a sad story. Well, he still has his other so, location and hopefully that uh, thrives for him. Yes, yes, yes. So you are located in Langhorn. Um 1205 Highland Avenue, Langhorn. Um, how can people get hold of you and, and find out more about your food trucks and your and you know how to use you for fundraisers and stuff like that to start with? Um, Jaysjoint215.com is our website. Honestly, anything and everything you need to know is on there, including my cell phone number. Um, I... I... I, I uh, the, 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 the I guess the last thing I just wanted to share is that beard that we were all talking about is actually on sale this whole entire month. And uh, my wife wanted to wring my neck when I announced this. <laughs> uh, and every, my accountant actually is on hospice at the moment or else he probably would have killed me too. But uh, I, I'm selling the sandwich for $6 this entire month, which if you, yeah, it, it's not about making money. Like I said in the beginning of the segment, it's about getting people out to try it because I think once you try it, you're a customer for life. And uh, that's well, the whole that. model Sorry. behind it. And I hope that you try other things while you're there too, but uh, especially the French onion egg rolls. Those are my <laughs> other go-to. <laughs> and have it with a milkshake. Uh, yeah, why not? <laughs> Anything's good with a milkshake. True. <laughs> but, you know, one of, yeah, and, that, and that's a very important thing we need to point out about your menu. You know, well, yes, you got, you know, the cheesesteak, you got that going on. You know, you have a lot of other stuff. You have the egg rolls going out that you do. 
you know, you have other options, you know, rather than just a plain American cheesesteak or whatever they're getting, you know, and you're not the kind of whiz guy that, you know, that you find in many places. You have really a great selection of sandwiches for people to choose from that are just unique and different and, and very personal. I mean, what I love about you is you're like me. You love to eat and you bring that into what you're doing. You know, well, on a day-to-day basis, it, you know, the, the the great ones, you know, you and, and, and you know, Michael Sari and the Curleys and the great ones throughout the area. It's because you have a passion for food. You have a passion for what you do. The rest falls into place. I will say Mike loves the kitchen. I do not love the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> We're, he's one of my longest friends probably at this point in life. And uh, he, he, he has a true passion for the kitchen. Where I have a true passion of loving food because I'm a fat guy, and um, <laughs> you know I always well, say, you know, um, hey, listen, you know, they're like, oh, you're a chef. No, I'm just a fat guy who loves food. Yeah. No, no, no professional training here. I just enjoy experimenting in the kitchen, and uh, you know that's awesome. <laughs> for, for, well, for, remember the number one rule: never trust a skinny chef. <laughs> So in our last minute, do you have any um, last minute questions, Gene? No, let's, uh, let's, let's get people to your social media and finding out more and the number they can reach you and all that stuff. At Jay's Joint 215 uh, is our main page. At Jay's Food Truck 215 is our food truck. And uh, at Jay's Joint 215.com is our website. And uh, if you really need to get a hold of me, 215-514-3172. You can uh, text me or call me. I'm always available. And it's 1205 Highland Avenue in Langhorn, Pennsylvania, just right off of Route 1, just minutes off of there. Open Wednesday through Sunday from 11 to 8. We do not open Jay, Monday and Tuesday. Thank you so much for stopping in and bringing all this food that I am not getting to taste <laughs> and I'm going to hear about it all later. But um, always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, you're just you know, one of the great ones. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Jay. And his uh, social media is outstanding. I, I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> all right, let's take a break and we'll be right back. To become a sponsor of our show and have your business or event promoted on every single podcast platform, two Philadelphia radio stations on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. evening drive time, an FM station in New York, send us an email to either foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com or diningonadive at yahoo.com. And we're back. Amorous Pollock, introduce us to your fabulous guest. I have the extreme pleasure to introduce a uh, dynamic woman who is bringing so many new things to the Jersey Shore, but she's already brought it to Philadelphia and Fishtown. Vanessa Wong, thank you so much for joining us on our show. Well, thank you for having me. Um, So... As I had mentioned, you, you know, already have opened up and established a business in Fishtown. Um, it is a dynamic business that kind of just boomed out there because I think it was, you know, uh, something that that area hadn't seen. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Fishtown Social? Yeah, I mean, for sure. We opened Fishtown Social in uh, 2016. So that's uh 
well before the fish town that you guys know now. Um, we were living there since 2008 and I really just wanted to see, I opened what I wanted to see there was a little bit of a wine bar, uh, something other than that industrial kind of beer scene. Um, they weren't really ready for that. So it was definitely a challenging uh, first year or so. We walked it back a little bit, felt the neighborhood out, uh, evolved like any business, you know, needs to do. And then the, the town just grew up around us really, really quickly. So very quickly, I was get, able to get back to where we wanted to be, um, featuring all those natural wines and really take advantage of some of the uh, more flexible um, licensing things that allowed us to sell wine to go. And it really, we were able to open something that you don't really see there in the drag. So we're fortunate. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I'm I'm just curious because your history is, you know, I, I did a little bit of research on you and your history is in you're an attorney, you're, you know, in litigation. Um, so how did you make the jump from litigation to opening up the Fishtown um, Fishtown Social with the the wines, the natural wines? Um, well, I mean, I practiced for a, a bunch of years and but it's in my blood, really. I mean, I grew up. Um, you know, I'm first generation born here. My family had restaurants, um, not quite on this kind of level and had nothing to do with natural wine, but definitely grew up in the industry. They had a 24 hour truck stops and diners up in North Jersey where I grew up. And I just, you know, I gravitate towards that all through undergrad, all through law school. I worked in all different aspects of, you know, the industry from bartending to clubs to fine dining you just kind of find yourself sucked back into the thing that comes naturally for you. And when you're, you know, behind a desk practicing law, it's not, you don't get that opportunity to really interact. Um, and also, you know, we started a family as well. So um, you jump into it thinking, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to have a little more flexibility and surprise. It's totally opposite. You're doing it 24 seven, but uh, you know, it's, it's kind of how I made that jump. It's it's a in a good jump it is. Um, now, how did you become a, a natural wine aficionado? So that's really through my um, experience in fine dining. I was introduced. Uh, I worked a lot in Princeton because I went to undergrad in uh, at the College of New Jersey in, in Central Jersey. So I did a lot of fine dining, and that was my intro to wine in general. I had a really good like I really interest in the farming and the viticulture and like all that that was happening behind the scenes. Um, and then when I was working downtown, we'd always make our trek uh, across town and my husband and I would meet up and our meeting place was always a tree over in Washington Square West. So we started to see a lot more, you know, the wine scene and things that are coming up in Philly. So that really just sparked my interest. But, you know, just like food, yeah. I'm just as interested and can like concerned on how your wine is made and how the grapes are farmed and, you know, just about what you're drinking. You want to feel good about that as well. I mean, as good as you can feel, you're still drinking, but um, so that's really it. I mean, it's just my love of food and wine and wanting to like, you know, understand the process behind there and know that it's being made well and you're drinking something that's great. 
Now, I know that there is a difference um, because of how they process it, you know, and I'm I'm wondering for our listeners out there, if you can, you know, let them know the distinct, like what differentiates the natural wine from most of the processed wines that we see on the shelves that, you know, are there for a very long time. So that, I mean, that's like a really, it's still a, a little bit of a gray area if you ask people who are in the natural wine world. But generally speaking, I think it boils down to like a couple points. Um, the farming, first and foremost. So if you work with and gravitate towards smaller production wines, with, you know, made by smaller farmers, naturally, these people live on the land. They, their families have lived on the land for, you know, generations. They raise their children there. So their farming practices are going to be responsible, organic, sustainable, biodynamic, Um so I think that would probably be your first, um, you know, check on the list of in terms of wanting to gravitate towards a wine that's more natural. Uh, then you get a little bit more um, technical where um, you will have, obviously you will have no additives, no colors, no added sulfurs. Um, you also want something you'll hear a term a lot is, you know, natural yeast versus a wine that is inoculized and, and fermented in that way. Also, spontaneous ferment, which is like a whole nother level because it's whatever's happening in that, you know, that region, that cellar, that area, and it, it's allowed to spontaneously happen on its own naturally. And then finally, it's uh, a lot of them you'll see now are unfined and unfiltered. So you'll see a lot of these natural wines in the clear bottles, as opposed to like those darker green and brown bottles, and they look cloudy, almost like a kombucha. Um, and I think that would probably be the last Thing that you check off your list. But the way we approach it, it, it's not really any and all. If, you know, somebody wants something that's really natural or natty per se, I try to find them something that checks all of those boxes. But like, as long as you're getting one or two of those things in there and you know that something's being made in small batches or by, you know, responsible farmers and there's no additives, then I, in my mind that you're, you're doing something, you're drinking a natural wine. Yeah. You know? Now, um, you are also kind of limited as far as the the liquor store laws are, you know, related to the Philadelphia area, but you are opening the same concept. And in addition, you're also opening Fish and Whistle um, with your Wahini, uh, did I pronounce that correct, wines? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in um, Off of the Jersey shore of all places, um, where you have less restrictions. So what are some of the things that you're going to offer at your new locations, um, that you wouldn't per se, you know, be able to offer, unfortunately at Fishtown Social? Yeah. Um, well we, at Fishtown Social, we can't sell spirits, right? It's the state's controlled system. So the permit that we have, that is a rider to our restaurant and bar license and PA permits us to sell, you know, a limited amount of, of wine products, you know, so we can't do spirits, nothing over a certain ABV, but in New Jersey, even though we are, you know, Wahini is a boutique wine store, a natural wine store. We also offer a a really nice selection, a curated selection of some craft spirits, um, which, you know, is important because I drink a lot of those as well. So (laughs) I'm pretty excited about that. And then I think the main difference you'll see is just the, the, the variety of wines that are available. There's a whole world of 
you know, great natural wines that aren't necessarily those couple of wines that you see all the time on Instagram. And now that I'm somewhere in like that is in control by the state, um, you know, the wines are more widely available and accessible at a, at a great price point because there's wholesale pricing now, right? And PA, I buy at retail and then I got to figure out a way to get it in the hands of my customers and still kind of keep the lights on. So, yeah. Um, you know, that's the main difference, I think. Which is good. Now, um, you also are going to be with the fish and whistle market. Um, you're going to be offering, you know, a, a selection of curated cheeses and, and um, other products uh, that people can go and purchase and like fresh made food. So what are some of the, the things that they can, you know, purchase when they're purchase and eat for that matter, along with the, the natural wines um, at your at your new location? Yeah. So, again, you know, when, when we look at places and we decide when I decide to open something in my mind, it's like, what would I really like to see here? What's going to, you know, serve the the commercial corridor the best and opening just the wine shop and the liquor store in that corner to me just didn't seem like enough energy. And we had enough space to kind of create this market concept that, you know, complements wine. What goes better with wine than cheese and charcuterie and, you know, pâtés and all sorts of, and that's pretty underserved. Um, I don't know if you spent any time down in Ventnor on the Island or the Jersey shore in general. I mean, there's a lot of great food, hoagies, pizzas, all those items, but sometimes when you get to a certain age, you just want a cheese board and some olives and, you know, a little antipasto and tapas, like something a little lighter, something a little fresher and something that isn't a production. So it was pretty much a no brainer to take the front of that space and, you know, blow it open there on the corner, give it some energy and stock the market with just a lot of those things that I would like to eat. I mean, I saw a, one of your uh, posts that you were making bond me too. And I'm, I'm like, oh, that's exciting because, you know, that's not something that I would normally see paired with a wine. Um, so I was kind of excited to see that you're making fresh bond me like right there on site. Oh, yeah. Well, I was, you know, I keep getting the question, like, where are your hoagies? Where's your sandwich? Again, we're at the shore. <laughs> and we right down the street, we have other businesses that do really great sandwiches, you know, for instance, the doors had just opened up. So I didn't want to offer that same element. So well, I'm, in my mind, I was thinking, well, what kind of hoagie can I offer? Well, I love a banh mi. I love it. It's fresh. It's got vegetables, those fresh ingredients, the fresh herbs. Um, and so that was really kind of satisfy that slot. So we do offer a, you know, and we'll offer a tofu, a chicken and a pork options. So there's something for everybody. But I just wanted to keep that really nice and tight and limited. So it complemented what everybody else was doing on the drag and not just, you know, a lot of the same. So which is good. Now, I know that you do um, at Fishtown Social, you do uh, pop ups and you do um, happy hours and whatnot. So are you planning to, to do some of that at this the new um, Wahini Wines? Yes, absolutely. So um, we have a couple things in the works, so you'll have to just kind of follow our Instagram. But I do also, in, in my escapades back and forth from Philadelphia to the shore, do my best to bring a lot of these smaller Philly brands like Fishtown Pickles, Reanimator Coffees. Again, things that I love from, from Philadelphia to the shore. And I also have a plan for, you know, 
when it gets quieter for a lot of these smaller vendors and local artisanal food producers that I use in the market down here to give them an opportunity to pop up and come up to Philly once, you know, things quiet down, down here. So it's just like, I think it's about connecting the two worlds that I really love. I love the beach. I love the city of Philadelphia. So I'm like, let's, how can we do this? I'm already going back and forth. Yeah. And you know, a lot of these smaller vendors can't, they don't take it back and forth. They don't deliver. I mean, these days you can't really make that feasible thing. So I kind of do it on my own. Um, so now I actually have a friend who I was discussing your wine wine selection with, and she was wondering, based on the the name Wahini Wines, um, are do you carry a large um, product line with female owned natural wine businesses? Yeah, we do have a, a great deal of our wines are. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily try to. There's no like set quota or what, but again, with like a lot of these indie wine wineries and a lot of the um the next generation of of like vineyards that are being taken over by daughters by aunts by you know sisters it just kind of it's like the natural progression of things which is great yeah you know I don't have to look that hard but yes we absolutely have a ton of female winemaker female producer female farmers like great stories behind a lot of the wines that we have which is good. Now, um, because I alluded to it, do you want to explain to our listeners the, the meaning behind the name? Oh, yeah. Um, so we were totally, a lot of people were kind of perplexed because initially when we conceived the idea, we were just going to call it Vetner Provisions. We wanted to kind of make sure everybody knew where we were, put Vetner on the map and um, and go that route. But then you know, in the time that it took us to build everything and get everything together, I had this instance where my girls, my two girls, I have four kids, but um, my two girls, <laughs> yeah, I, I know I see your faces like, oh my God, <laughs> I have four kids. Things escalated quickly for me. But, um, <laughs> That's why you need the wine. <laughs> uh, that is why we need the wine. Um, but my girls, they surf. We spend a lot of time on the beach in the summer and they are now nine and seven and we were just talking about the upcoming summer and how they wanted to get in the water more, how they wanted to surf. And it was really funny. Their older brother, who's 14, like an older brother does, was just like, no way. There's there's sharks. There's this. There's that. And they're like, we're not scared. Mom's a girl. She's not scared. And I just got to thinking, like, you know, these are my little wahinis, my little surfers. They're not scared. They jump in. They dive in head first. They do what they love. And this is kind of like what I'm doing here for them and modeling that for them. So I decided to change the name a little. um, And then I had to come up with the name for the market. So I I love John Prine, you know, rest in peace. So fish and whistle is probably one of my favorite songs. It's just like really positive vibes about the neighborhood and just singing about everything that you see going on around you. And that's how I ended up with that. Although, you know, I have moments where I'm like, we are not a fish market. No, it's a song, <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> now, um, speaking of diving right in, uh, where can we dive in to find you online? Um, where's your physical locations and um, where will, where can we, what can we see next at, you know, at your locations? 
So we are located, location is super easy. If you know the shore, we are 101 North Dorset Avenue, which we are at the foot of the Dorset Avenue bridge on the Heights side, the Bentner Heights side. Um, I'm most active on Instagram right now at Wahini Wine or at Fish Whistle Market. So you'll see a lot of cross promotion and posts. So every you can get all your information there. And uh, the newest, I mean, not the newest thing, but we've had a wine club in the works that's was coming down the pipeline for both locations. But in the last 10 days, literally everyone who's gone through the door has asked me about it. So rather than wait, we're going to roll it out. So you're going to see it come, you know, that announcement will come out very soon, uh, probably within the next week or two. And then we'll start enrolling people in memberships. And I think the first monthly pickup will be right around Labor Day. All right. Thank you very much. And I look forward to trying some of the wines that you have available. We look forward to uh, having you on again at some point because I want to try it and bring you back on. All right. Sounds like a plan. We'll have a little uh, tasting. (laughs) There we go. Maybe behind the scenes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great one. All right. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. And we're back. Amorous Pollock, introduce us to your fabulous guests. Hi, I'd like to introduce all of our Food Farms and Chefs fans to Mama's Homemade. Jaconda Hello. Bell. Hi. Hi. <laughs> you have so much energy. Jaconda, yes. um, Jaconda Bell and Daisy Smith, who are co-owners of Mama's Homemade. Um, yes. I came across you at one of the pop-up markets in Medford. Yes. Yes, it was a wonderful market, and it was wonderful to meet you. It was wonderful to meet you, too. And I did taste one of your syrups that you have um, on hand. I Well, actually, I should say your syrup that you have on hand. It's the sweet potato um, syrup that, that you are offering? Yes, so we make sweet potato syrup. We also make uh, two different types of barbecue, a mild banging barbecue, which is more of a family-friendly which is sweet, savory, smoky, and just a little peppery. We also have a spicy banging, which starts off a little sweet, very flavorful, slow burn. Yes. We also have our sweet potato syrup, which is amazing. It's used as a syrup or a glaze, and it's um, very delicious. It's, it's uh, amazing. It's made from sweet potatoes. Tastes like Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, it does. It tastes kind of like Thanksgiving. When people taste it, that's like one of the first things that they say. But it's like the drippings of a candied sweet potato, if you can imagine that. And then we also have carrot cakes in a jar, which you can make your own carrot cake, applesauce cake, or sweet potato cake. And they're all delicious. And we make applesauce that tastes like apple pie. And in the fall, we come out with a pumpkin cake, which is slamming. It's a caramel pecan pumpkin or just a caramel pumpkin cake mix that you can buy also from Mama's Home. Oh, and we also come out with a cran apple sauce. Uh, we do that during Thanksgiving on through the holiday. Yes. So that's. That's Mama told me. <laughs> That's a lot to unload. <laughs> no. Yeah, it is. It's a lot. <laughs> oh, you didn't say the hot wing sauce. Oh, yeah. We, we have- got apple garlic hot wing. Yeah. And it sells a lot. It's amazing. It's buttery. It's garlicky. It has a nice kick. And also our apple sauce tastes like apple pie. That was the main thing that Mama told me started with. 
is the it's the applesauce. Yeah, that's what started our business with the applesauce. Now, off of that, um, you told me a little bit about your story, um, your origin story, if you will, when I met you. So why don't you tell our listeners? I'm sorry, the energy. I'm like pulling off your energy. It's so much energy and I love it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and you thank had a lot of energy, even though you'd been working under the sun that day, too. But um, Oh, yeah. <laughs> why don't you tell oh, yeah, our listeners? Yeah. We work, we work like mad dogs that we have to say that we, we go everywhere um, that God allows us to go. But um, initially, when we started our business, it was our applesauce business. Um, my mom was in a car accident, and I had just started working at Whole Foods, and she had to stop working her main job um, to... Um, she had to start stop working her main job and she started making the applesauce and dinners for the teachers and stuff. And they went crazy about the applesauce. Meanwhile, I started working a new job at Whole Foods and they started a local vendors program. And that also was something that they started. And they said, if you know of anybody with a product, please let us know. And of course I thought of my mother, my mother was it, but we initially both had a vision of a dream, I mean, a vision of a business that we would both be running, that um, we were privy that God blessed us with this vision. And we just took it and ran with it. (laughs) And you did run with it. Um, And how did, how did it become more popular? Like how, you know, because I, if I remember correctly, you said that you didn't, you didn't vend through Whole Foods, that you um, ended up, you know, selling, selling it through, just like word of mouth, people you know, and then markets. So um, how how did you become more popular and, and um, create this and expand on it? We went to a market in Cape May. And when we went to that market, the people was buying it by Cape. We were surprised that they were buying it like they were, and they loved it. So from Cape May, we had a friend two ladies came to us and said, you girls need to go to Stone Harbor. So we went to Stone Harbor and the people there were very gracious and they loved our product. So that was our second market. After that, others were telling us to go to other markets like Ocean City, uh, Long Beach Island. And we went to... Uh, the Highlands, Medford Apple Festival, and everywhere we went, we were um, greeted with so much love, and they just enjoyed our products so much. So we had to continue. We couldn't stop. We just kept going to whatever market we was introduced to. We tried to, to fulfill our promise. And that's what we've been doing ever since. But uh, initially, we did start in Whole Foods. Oh, you did? Okay. We we knew nothing. And we started, thanks to Mike Licka, I have to give a shout out to Mike Licka because he was the one that initiated everything. And once we started, that helped us to brand ourselves, um, learn about the market itself. And it pushed us even further. It gave us legitimacy when we first started. Oh, we have to let you know that uh, when we first started, we had to go into a commercial kitchen. 
So we went to our pastor, our bishop, our bishop and we asked him, could we use the commercial kitchen at our church? And he gave us That's permission. That's right. So our bishop, so um, that's bishop where David we, G. Evans, was also a very, very integral part of Mama's Homemade yes. Start because we, we, we didn't know what we were doing. We, we basically went to Whole Foods and kind of presented this product. Honestly, didn't know everything we had to do to make it happen. But we got guidance through Mike Licka and the acceptance from our church and are allowing us to use their kitchen to start. And that was the initial, that initial was the start initial of Mama's start. Homemade. And yeah. then from there, it was word of mouth and people, you know, uh, meeting the right contacts and going to the right locations. And it's just been growing ever since. Yes. And, that's- and we're so grateful and thankful for people like you, for instance. <laughs> because the more people that we run into that love our product, introduce it to other people. And that just makes it grow even more. We love you. We thank you. <laughs> and I thank you guys, too. Um, I had the like, I know you guys were packing up or Jaconda, you were packing up um, when I ran into you for the day. But I had the the luxury of sampling the syrup and I have to say with you know tasting profiles it 100% tastes like a sweet potato um oh thank you yeah and then it has it has a very strong like like almost like a molasses kind of like um taste to it too um which kind of makes me think of like Thanksgiving like um you know maple syrup like but yeah, it has a very strong, you know, tasting profile and I, I highly enjoyed it. You know, it's something that oh, I, thank you. no problem. It's something that I would love to have like on a regular basis, just with like pancakes or, you know, incorporating it with, um, cooking and your flyer, you know, kind of also that you, that you hand out suggests how to use it. Yeah. Um, we had to put a flyer together with suggestionless because, Everybody wanted to know, well, how do I use this and how would I use that? You have to keep in mind, when you're a professional cook, you just kind of feel like everybody knows what they're doing. But a lot of people don't. And they want to know different ways to use your product. So you kind of give them ideas. And then when people come to you with a variety of different ideas, you pass it along as well. So I love giving people ideas. And when I'm talking to them, I can see that they're actually visualizing it and tasting it in their heads as well. So that's one thing that's amazing about it, too. And we've had customers that come and give us different recipes, and we could actually taste it. Like, they would say to us, oh, I tried it in my baked beans. And it was just so delicious, and I could actually taste the baked beans with the sweet potato stuff in it. It was just it's amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. You can use it on so many things that people don't commonly think yeah. to use it. Not just your pancakes, but salmon, your chicken, your ham. Just an endless amount of things. So that's why we give those those cards out or those flyers out to let people know, try this. Do something different, you know. That whole thing. Exactly. And I want to also mention that you have the cakes in the jar, but you do also make uh, pre-made cakes as well. 
No, I actually, no, wait, let me tell you about that. <laughs> so initially, that's a story within itself. Initially, when we started, I was making these carrot cakes and I was doing it at the Reading Terminal Market and people were buying so much of it. I was working a full-time job and also doing Mama's Homemade. So I couldn't keep up with demand. So I said, I have to come up with something in case people want the cake and I don't have it available. So I came up with the mix. And that alleviated some of the pressure off She's of me. A I'm, a ge- I'm a genius <laughs> and I didn't even know it. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a fluke thing, but it was a blessing too because it got people in the kitchen baking with their children, trying different things, and yeah. they absolutely love it. And with that one cake mix, you can literally make three different types of cakes. It doesn't have nice. to be carrot. It can be an applesauce cake. It even can be a sweet potato cake. So I give them options, too. And it's a great gift for Christmas, <laughs> also to teachers and cooks. It's excellent. Especially people that don't traditionally bake but want to. It makes an amazing moist cake. It comes yes, out like a does. professional grade carrot cake, but even a little better. Tell her about the lady that bought eight <laughs> cakes, gave them out to her friends and neighbors. Oh, yeah. And she had a slice of cake from everybody. She actually wow. bought a cake. She bought a cake. So <laughs> she never had to make it herself because all her neighbors. <laughs> and friends were making the cake and giving her samples. Wow. Oh, yeah, throughout the whole... She, she loved it. She bought a whole case for Christmas. That's, a, that's almost like an evil genius move. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. It was amazing. And then one lady, she baked it for her guests because she had family members that came from out of town. She baked it, and she said the first thing they did that morning was got up to eat cake that morning. <laughs> so she came back and she got each one of her guests a set to take back home with them. So I thought that was really sweet and thoughtful. Yeah. yeah I just so ha- you hear stories like that yeah. all the time. I just have one quick question. I grew up on homemade cocktail sauce and okay. I, can, I can tell you it's 10 million times better than what you're going to buy. Is what, yeah. what kind of cocktail sauce? Like what is it tangy or... So our cocktail sauce has a twist to it. So we add all of our our products do. So it's it's not so much tangy. We do add a little bit of our infamous barbecue sauce to our cocktail sauce mixture. And that adds an amazing smoky flavor to your cocktail sauce. And you can... you can use cocktail sauce on so many different things, and to have something oh, yeah. that's homemade, oh, yeah. Yeah. and oh, just yeah. and the homemade cocktail sauce, I grew up on it, and it is twenty million times better than anything you're oh, going to buy yeah. on the shelf. Oh, oh yeah. yeah! So I was happy just to like s- our applesauce. Yeah. Now our applesauce actually tastes like apple pie, and because nice. the applesauce is so good, we put it in the hot wing, the banged barbecue. Nice. You know. Whether you incorporate it into some of the other products, it gives them like a different twist and it has a special taste that only Mama's Homemade can create. Nice. Of course. And, um, you know, incorporating that applesauce inside that cake. Yes. You know, you can double down. (laughs) Yeah, it adds to the moisture. 
and it adds to the flavor. And it's not like your typical applesauce. It's a chunky, thick applesauce. You can tell it's made by hand. And love. And love. Plenty of love in there. And when you make that cake, it just adds to the moisture, the texture. The cake comes out really dark and rich. It really is amazing in that batter. And I've had people say, well, I, I bought the store-bought applesauce because I ate the regular one that you sold me with it. <laughs> and it just didn't turn out the same. I said, because it won't. It yeah. will not turn out the same way. Yeah. You have to use our applesauce to bake the cake mix. Gotcha. So, now, mm-hmm. you, you also have a cream cheese frosting like recipe on there. I would say that I would supplement maybe some of that um, rum or vanilla extract and, you know, use your sweet potato syrup to like, ah. add that sweetener, sweetener and that, that flavor. Oh, now that's something I didn't think of. <laughs> but with the idea of the rum, it adds a whole nother level. If you use the extract when you're making, I suggest that one with the applesauce cake or even the sweet potato cake because they're both kind of different and you don't want it to be like the carrot cake, which is traditionally like the vanilla. Yeah. But, you know, we're all we're all lovers of uh, the brown, the brown liquors. So <laughs> I, I will not contest the rum. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, we actually, time flies when you're having fun and I'm having a lot of fun with you. So we have a little over a minute left, but um, where can we find you at the next market um, place over the next couple, you know, couple of weeks? So Wednesday, we're in Ocean City. We do the Ocean City Farmer's Market on Wednesday. We also do the farmer's market on Wednesday in Marlton, New Jersey. Um, we, We do a farmer's market in Smith bill on Thursday. We do another farmer's market normally on Saturday in Brick, New Jersey or in Medford. And we do the alternate week in Medford and LBI. You can find us in LBI. And our website is www.mamas, M-O-M-M-A-S, homemade, one word, dot com, H-O-M-E-M-A-D-E dot com. So you can always find us online. Of course. And, you know, just so our listeners know, what about the price point? Can can they, um, you know, buy like a package deal of like multiple jars of cakes? Well, the one thing is normally if you buy a case, we take off the price of one of the products. So if it's $15 a bottle and you get a case of our largest, for example, we take $15 off. So we do that. Now, we take off one, which is twelve. Oh, sorry, twelve dollars off. I'm sorry, twelve in the case of a dollar off each bottle. I said that wrong. I apologize. No, it's all right, Jaconda. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank and you, Daisy. <laughs> it was great having you on. That was a great interview. Have a blessed day. <laughs> you, you too. too. PhillyRestaurantReviews.com yep. Re- Philly for all the information about the show. Amherst Pollock. You can find me across social media at ARPollockus, or if you'd like to be a guest or a sponsor on the show, you can email me at ARPollockus at gmail.com, and you can find Gene Bloom at ibfoodie 2 or you can email him at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. Everyone, have a wonderful Tuesday. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.
Quickly, before we end the show, I wanted to do a great shout out to the men and women of the Philadelphia Police Department, EMT, Fire, Fairmount Parks Commission, and so many more that were just incredible in their response on July 4th on the parkway uh, for the shooting of the two police officers. We happened to be down there uh, taping some information for further shows, deeply involved. We were feet from all that. And I cannot say enough about the bravery and the integrity and the hard, dedicated work that those police officers and Fairmount Parks people and security people and fire put forth. Uh, watching the mayhem of people running and screaming and it was, you know, a, a terrible, terrible situation. Just a big shout out for all them and for all the hospitality workers that were in the middle of all that, the caterers and the concessionaires. Just wanted to give our thoughts and our prayers and say thank you.